there were hundreds of improvements that came out of that because when you have the CEO or the chief financial officer who are in a pack station and they're working with technology and packing materials, you know, they obviously have a different perspective than if they're not in that pack station working. Welcome to Transform It Forward, the podcast that gives you an inside look into the before and after some of the world's most effective transformation processes. I'm your host, Paul French. Stop for a second to consider how ubiquitous and easy it is to order something online and have it delivered. Simple for the buyer, but behind the scenes, there's actually fewer things that are more complex, often involving deep integration, planning with multiple parties and partners. Supply chain disruption is inevitable. Beyond even the implications of the pandemic, things like political unrest, tariffs, and even weather can cause global supply chain disruption. So how do you go about anticipating these disruptions and developing contingency plans? How do you address a major supply chain disruption without losing the flow of materials and components to keep your business online? On today's episode, we welcome Robert Gerwig, Senior Vice President of Distribution at Sweetwater, a leading online retailer for music instruments and audio gear in the U.S. He's a fulfillment, manufacturing, and operational executive with more than 30 years of experience delivering results at global organizations. Robert, welcome to Transform It Forward. Thank you, Paul. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. So you have had a long and illustrious career in a variety of different on-prem retailers, e-commerce, hybrids, seen a lot of different views of supply chain. Where does Sweetwater fit into that? <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, my background prior to Sweetwater has largely been uh, very large uh, players. Sweetwater, as you may know, is a is a smaller, private, rapidly growing online music retailer. So I would say in terms of size, it's definitely one of the smaller companies and supply chains that I've been part of. On the uh, flip side, it's uh, certainly right up there with large players in terms of uh, technology and um, uh, expertise in the, uh, in the distribution space and supply chain area. And so what are some of those best practices that they're able to build? I mean, when you come from a place like Macy's or Zappos, you must have seen it a hundred different ways. One thing that's worth noting is we uh, distribute all of our online you know, shipments uh, come out of a, a primary distribution center uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is where our company is headquartered. So a little bit like Zappos, which is uh, fully owned by Amazon, Zappos distributes from really kind of a central hub just south of Louisville. And so Sweetwater has a similar model to that. And we've got a new distribution center that just came online in February of this year in, of 2020. So we're operating with, you know, a new physical infrastructure and, uh, you know, all the equipment and processes and uh, systems that support that are, I would not hesitate to say, um, you know, somewhat state of the art and uh, rival really what I've seen in some of the larger kind of organizations. So talk a little bit about state of the art. So the idea of, especially over the course of the last year, where there's been so much upheaval in buying patterns from consumers and the way you know brittle and hard-coded supply chains have existed what was the point from Sweetwater's perspective to make that level of investment we are uh, rapidly growing like many players in e-commerce especially this last year uh, with the impact of the global pandemic um, surrounding covid really even prior to that though there had been significant growth so what drove the the new distribution center was just a business and being able to accommodate increased outbound shipments to customers and i, I think one of the the key things for this year and and what Sweetwater's done that's just been absolutely fascinating is with the way that we've worked with those uh, upstream suppliers or vendors of music instruments in a unique way that was really 
prompted by the uh, by the global disruption in, in the supply chain. Because everybody, when we have nowhere to go, wanted to learn a new instrument. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, re- really a couple things there. So we, we have seen an uptick in our volume and our sales uh, revenue, as well as our outbound shipments when people stayed home and people were kind of rediscovering their love for music and wanting to play instruments. We also, you know, as brick and mortar stores were less available to, you know, have consumers come in and play and buy music instruments, people tried online music retail and and found that it was a great experience for them. I I would say really what has helped from a, you know, just having a banner year at Sweetwater has been the relationships that our merchandising and kind of inbound operations team and the supply chain have had with and do have with our vendors. So deep, deep relationships. And we were fortunate that we had really great, strong cash flow all year so that those vendors shifted what output they did have, their, their manufactured volume. They shifted a lot of that to us because we were willing to accept it, receive it. And um, we had a new warehouse that we could put it in, which was fortunate. And we were also able to pay our bills on time. So they appreciated that. Yeah, absolutely. In this day and age, unfortunately, that's something you have to think about more than ever. It's really fascinating, though, because, you know, you come from a world, again, Macy's, Zappos, where there are a variety of alternatives and substitutes, right? If there's a there's a particular kind of running shoe, well, there's 20 other running shoes that are out there. But if you're looking for a Fender Telecaster, there's just a Fender Telecaster, right? How does the, the mix and the merchandising, you know, how does that impact the things that you do around supply chain relationships and distribution and warehousing and, and all the things that are sort of really interrelated in that kind of case? We do have a little different model than uh, at least I'm familiar with it at other places like an Amazon or a Macy's in that our sales interface really and, and kind of sales model and customer, uh, really I'd call it a customer experience model is, is a little bit different in that somebody can go on to the sweetwater.com website and order something essentially 24 by seven. But the piece that makes us, I think, a little bit unique, and it plays into then how we ultimately um, work our uh, supply chain and ship those products to the customer. We have a very large percentage of our sales that come through person-to-person interaction. So we have sales engineers who are technically trained and um, really understand uh, music and music instrumentation and the technical components of you know, the music industry. And they spend significant one-on-one time on the phone with customers and coming out of those conversations. And and these customer relationships are uh, often for life for, you know, five, 10, 20 years. And as that sales engineer and that customer develop a relationship, it's uh, a combination of uh, just a personal relationship as well as a technical relationship. But those interactions allow us to uh, really be specific with the offering to that customer. And so sometimes that's a more expensive item. Sometimes it's a it's a less expensive item. But I do think drives the unique Sweetwater kind of customer experience difference is really, you know, starts with that sales engineer relationship with a customer uh, to get to know their exact specific needs. And so many times a customer does know what they want when they come online or, you know, talk to that sales engineer. But often it's a dialogue with an expert trained sales engineer who's gone through months of very detailed specific training to provide a service and and ultimately a product that just really meets that uh, individual customer need. How that translates into the supply chain then is like most companies and because we're in a competitive environment, once that sale is initiated and gets presented into the distribution center, Customers do expect, because they get this from other online retailers like an Amazon or Macy's, they want quick, reliable service with good tracking, and they want the product and the packaging to arrive really in pristine condition. But 
again, really that unique uh, interface and, and relationship between the sales engineering team and, and that group of customers is, I think, ultimately what drives that ability to you know kind of work across different types of music instruments and provide a great solution for customers. And it's a really interesting point because, I mean, literally every company on the planet is trying to figure out how to compete with Amazon, right? You know, I'm in the, I'm in the technology business and we have to compete with Amazon, just like you're in the you know, music business and have to compete with Amazon. So is that customer experience? I know that that, that was the, the historic base of the business in Fort Wayne, but is that, is that something that is really the, the cornerstone of what you're trying to build on and, and like a, a beautiful byproduct of that is it might create a little slack in the supply chain? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, you know, a good way to describe it, Paul. I mean, you know, as an example, if a customer um, calls in and this often happens and they are buying uh, multiple instruments, there are all then the ancillary or support, you know, from cables to different types of interfaces. It could be there's a software uh, download that they need. Unlike an, uh, an Amazon, they can call into uh, their sales engineer at Sweetwater, who really has expertise and can handle that whole transaction for them. So many times... What we find is a customer will call in and say, uh, for example, I want to buy these eight items and the sales engineer professionally you know, asks questions and has gotten to know them over a several year period, but helps that customer to understand that those eight items, if they want them to work together as a system, have uh, either compatibility issues or there's a better way to put together that system, if you will. So that is definitely a, a unique piece of the experience versus an Amazon on the kind of back end, I'd say it's a little bit, you know, Amazon sets the standard as the benchmark, um, good, bad, and different really for online retailers in terms of, okay, now that the order has been placed and the sales engineers help the customer determine exactly what the right fit of products uh, will be for them, then it's up to my role and my team, for example, then to uh, very quickly, we do same day uh, shipment and we have a packaging experience. So there's a bag of Sweetwater candy, which uh, our customers love. And, you know, so we put candy in, we put a thank you note. We're very particular about the way we package because the average order in our kind of industry is actually really expensive. And we want that customer to open that package and have a wow experience. So we're trying to provide something a little better in terms of the quality of the presentation than an Amazon. But we are absolutely kind of in the same space with Amazon and competing with them in terms of speed of service. Yeah, it's a best case scenario, right? We know how to be an online retailer and we're doing our best at that. But we also know how to be a local retailer and we're going to try and merge the best of the two. Yeah, one one unique thing uh, I would say about the, the Sweetwater supply chain and distribution, uh, for me anyway, is that we have a number, I mean, in the thousands of customers, not only in Fort Wayne, but regionally, or sometimes they'll drive from the Pacific Northwest and come and we have a really great campus and they can, you know, see during normal times, of course, they can come in and visit with their sales engineer. And we have an on-site uh, music store that is uh, is pretty extensive. And we have a room dedicated to acoustic guitars and a room dedicated to electric guitars. But one of the things that we do is uh, just, and I'll use uh, acoustic guitars as an example, a musician who has an interest in acoustic guitars uh, because they have uh, often wood grain in them and wood being a natural product, there's a unique grain in uh, Martin D28, for example. We have photo studios uh, that sit in the distribution center. Uh, What we do is we keep 
high definition pictures of the front and back and sides of these acoustic guitars so that if a sales engineer is in a conversation with a customer, that customer can actually pull up and look at and say, you know, I don't want Martin D28 number one. I like the grain on number three. And when we pick and pack and ship that from the distribution center, they will get that exact guitar with that exact grain pattern. That's an example of a unique experience that they would have. But also when somebody travels to Fort Wayne or, you know, somebody lives regionally and buys a keyboard or some other uh, drum set or, or so forth, we actually allow them and have a team dedicated to providing that pickup for them in a portion of the distribution center. So they pull up, we actually text them within 10 minutes from the time that they let us know that they're on campus. We have the item uh, picked and uh, ready for them and actually take that out and load that in the car for them. So we do a a lot of that. It's not 50% of our overall business, but it's again, an example of a differentiator for us. And, And we do have musicians and people from all over the country that take a week and come to Fort Wayne. And while they're here, they buy thousands of dollars of merchandise and have this 10 minute delivery on-site experience. I need to make a pilgrimage from Dallas to Fort Wayne for uh, <laughs> guitar shopping. So, so talk a little bit about that. So that is a very expanded view of the supply chain, right? All the way to physically unpacking, taking photographs, repacking, all, all the things that a typical retailer is is not actually going to do. So talk about how did it all come together when that decision is made to to really look at a much more hybrid-based approach? I'll be able to speak to it at, I don't know, the 25,000 or 50,000 uh, foot level. And then after that, I'll probably have to kind of defer. But unlike a larger company, we have a fabulous group of internal IT resources who develop the vast majority. I think it's fair to say nearly all of our internal systems and software are are developed internally. So this includes everything from what I'll call our uh, kind of CRM system to our WMS to our WES, you know, all the interfaces. And that's been really true since the company was founded 41 years ago. So there's just a history of we think we can do it maybe better. But even if we said we're not going to be better than something we could buy off the shelf, we make, I would say, 10 changes to our our WMS a week. And because we've developed the WMS internally, we have the ability, you know, as as the guy running the distribution center um, with just a call or two, I get to help establish priority for our IT team, but they, because they developed it, the turnaround time and what we're able to do and customize is absolutely phenomenal. The downside of that is you have to have a team that is capable and kind of brilliant to put that system together in the first place. And upfront, there is a little more development time involved, obviously, than if uh, we went out and just bought one of the big WMS providers, as an example. But the way that, you know, even with the new distribution center, so we physically had this uh, facility come online in February. And as part of that, there was um, a significant upgrade to the various systems uh, in terms of how orders come in to Sweetwater, get presented ultimately to the distribution center, and then all the various components that have to talk to each other and, and make that handshake, if you will, between an ordering system and an inventory management and the uh, WMS system. So we went through a major upgrade from a systems and software standpoint when the physical building came online in February. But then in addition, as I mentioned, we have had, I've been here um, six months, we've had hundreds of 
changes to our system and uh, tweaks to the process, kind of from a Kaizen kind of continual improvement standpoint. So the great news is we do it in-house and the decision-making process is fun and challenging because it means that people like myself and a couple other people who sit on a, a kind of a small internal steering committee, we get to decide the priorities. So you guys operate a music store, a distribution infrastructure, and a software company all inside one building. Well, uh, all on one campus, the new distribution center is, uh, is you know, within a walking distance, probably 300 meters from the main building. But in the campus here, in addition to all of that, <laughs> we also have a large music academy. So we have hundreds of students who come in and take, even with COVID, we've figured out how to work through some of those challenges, but who can take piano lessons, guitar lessons, drum lessons, singing lessons. And we have students on campus every day of the week from smaller, younger children who are, you know, five and six years old to people in their 70s or 80s. Uh, we also have five on-campus recording studios and have on a regular basis uh, some really great names in the music industry that fly into Fort Wayne or they fly into Chicago and we run over in a helicopter and bring them to Fort Wayne and, um, you know, allow them to record. We also then have a large cafeteria and uh, coffee shop that's open to the public in addition to being there for employees. So for example, my wife uh, and daughter, when she's visiting from Chicago can meet me for lunch. And, you know, the Sweetwater campus experience is, is really cool for somebody who's uh, a music kind of aficionado. And I've never actually said those words out loud. I'll just run over in the helicopter <laughs> and pick you up. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, our, our CEO, founder and owner, Chuck Rock is a licensed helicopter pilot. So we also have pilots who can do some transportation and shuttling of people. But I'll just tell a quick story. When the largest of the recording studios was being built to just make sure that all the sound protection was at the level it needed, he actually got in a helicopter and flew down and hovered a safe, whatever the minimal safe distance is, I'm going to say, you know, 50 yards. And we internally were running the instrumentation to see if uh, the needle was picking up any of the sound from the helicopter and it didn't. And that was sort of the final test to, to make sure it was truly soundproof. So I'll expect Chuck can pick me up at O'Hare when I come up for my guitar. Yeah, just let him know. <laughs> yeah. So, so there were an awful lot of retailers and traditional supply chains that were exposed during the pandemic for being really brittle. How did you guys mitigate that? What did you see at the time? How were you able to deal with it at the time? We talked a little bit about because of the new facility, being able to take more when it was available. But what are you doing now to prepare for the next you know, inevitable set of challenges? I think it's a number of things really based on the functional area within the company. You know, several what I think of as uh, departments or functional areas like IT, like finance, like human resources, you know, do have the ability in many cases to work remotely. You know, we're a music company, but but I might argue uh, kind of behind the scenes, we're really a tech company. We, we have a lot of tech on campus. You know, I'm really impressed. I worked for Intel for six years and made semiconductors. The tech we have on our campus and how we use it is, um, you know, really right up there with all the major tech players, in my opinion. But because of that, that enables us pretty quickly to uh, set up and help people to work remotely who maybe were not before and VPN into systems. So for a certain number of people, including our sales engineers, so during the, the pandemic and we're in Indiana and so trying to understand what's going on in the executive order, we very quickly went from essentially nobody working at home to you know hundreds of people working from home and doing it successfully. And to prepare for the you know whatever is next in that regard, we continue to have as a, a kind of a backup from a business continuity standpoint, the ability for as many people as possibly can to effectively work from from their home. Within the 
supply chain world, specifically for distribution, you know, we did have periods where we had basically our full warehouse staff not allowed to come into work and we were still you know, shipping out orders. The way we did that, and really the way we'd probably do that in the future is the executive team, including Chuck and his wife, Lisa, said, we're going to mask up and maintain social distancing, but we are allowed because we are considered an essential business. But basically the management team and their families came and ran the warehouse. So (laughs) I don't know if that's a, you know, the best model, but I I think it was a really great kind of ingenious way. And it also gave a bunch of executives and their spouses and kids who, you know, were willing to come and work. It gave them a chance to see a part of Sweetwater that maybe they hadn't seen before. And there were hundreds of improvements that came out of that because when you have the CEO or the chief financial officer who are in a pack station and they're working with technology and packing materials, you know, they obviously have a different perspective than if they're not in that pack station working. I think the biggest piece has really been on our, I think of it as our upstream relationships and partners in the inbound flow. So as we dealt with thousands of vendors who were either fully closed or partially closed, and as that upstream uh, supply chain really was throttled, that's where our relationships and and what we did there and we're continuing to do that really came into play. So we, we have some exclusive relationships. We have other cases where I think I mentioned earlier, we said we can pay the bill, we'll pay it quickly, uh, we'll take everything that you can make and make the vendor's life easier and give them a comfort level. So we really leaned into uh, improving our um, relationships and also our communication, which was already good. It just got really, really um, heightened and sometimes hourly conversations with vendors in terms of you know, what they were able to produce, when it could ship. And we, we really stretched ourselves to um, bring in as much inventory as we could to make it available. It's a really interesting story, a company your size making the, those level of investments. What would you say, if you look 10 years into the future, what's the advice you give someone who's not nearly where you are in terms of the transformation? I, I would say this for a, um, an e-commerce company, anybody working in supply chain, I, I would really almost just say anybody in business or anybody that works in an organization, even a nonprofit like the American Red Cross, I think that it starts with having a true appreciation and understanding that there's got to be for sustained success, an appreciation and uh, taking care of the business um, and the metrics and the dollars and the service and all of those things, which we typically focus on equal to that and not in competition, but dovetailed and supporting that is you have to take care of the people and you have to treat people well, you have to do all those soft things. And there's that old saying that the soft things are the hard things. So I think what we learned, and especially during this last year, is that because Sweetwater is a company that focuses on both, and we do have great internal, uh, what I'll call kind of employee relationships, and there is this sort of family environment, and we do have just a, a really great team of people, and we work hard in recruiting to get that. But because of that, it allowed people to very quickly deal with ambiguity. So I think in the next 10 years, the world will continue to have advances in artificial intelligence and um, different modes of transportation and driverless trucks and any number of advances. But I think really the key is that in the middle of all that, people still develop the molecule. People still develop the software. People still write the code. At some point, if you lose track of the fact that people are behind the technology, people are behind the instruments, people are behind the 
pick, pack, and fulfillment of orders for customers, you will quickly sub-optimize the, the overall uh, performance and sustainability of that organization. So I don't think it's necessarily anything new. I've just found that working in multiple industries and with different companies that a formula that has worked everywhere I've been is if, if as a leader in supply chain or leader of a company, if you will commit to taking care of the business and <laughs> capital A-N-D and take care of the people, you will be successful. Seems like everybody looks for the, the magical thing and the magical thing seems to be take care of the customer, take care of the employees, take care of your partners, and it all sort of works out, right? Yeah. You know, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. And I spent 20 years in the chemical industry and semiconductor industry and electronics and, you know, some really technical industries. And in all of those instances, there were massively smart women and men in, um, who were research scientists of some sort who developed the technology or the new product or the new assembly those people still are people and we're complicated uh, and we're massively exciting at the same time. So great leaders and great companies. I think the key is yes, technology and new systems and new tools and new approaches. And in terms of transforming an industry, including the supply chain organization, that will come. But you know, if you want to adopt that new technology, you need a team who has a mindset that says, I'm open to change, I'm willing to change, I'll be part of that adoption, as opposed to the technology exists, but I've got a, an organization that resists change, then, then I have a problem. <laughs> no question. No question. Well, this has been fantastic. So I typically like to end uh, on a more personal note, and it's, it's actually even better because you guys are a music store. I like to ask, what kind of music do you listen to? Days over, long day, need to relax. What's your music of choice? I'm going to give you two, if I could, two answers. Probably my go-to day in and day out is uh, classic rock. So, um, you know, I'm a child of the 60s and, and um, you know, I'm not a heavy metal kind of guy or punk rock kind of guy, but, you know, classic rock, the Beatles, the Eagles, even Allman Brothers. I mean, that's just my kind of sweet spot. But every now and then when I get a little bit rowdy, I'm a pretty big fan <laughs> also of uh, Christian hip hop. So I would say, you know, somebody like Lecrae, uh, I listen to Lecrae probably at some point every day. That's fantastic. It's good to have a wide variety. If somebody looked at my playlist history for the last 10 years, they'd think I had a problem with choice. So I guess that's a good place to be. Robert, thanks for your time today. I thought it was fantastic. I think I think there's definitely some great takeaways. And the fact is, there's no magic. You just take care of the people and you can you can make some great things happen. Yeah, Paul. Well, thanks for having me on. Take care. Robert had plenty of incredible insights to share, but here are four key takeaways that I thought. First, the world will always continue to have tech advancements, but people are still the root of everything. No matter how advanced we get, people are the ones that still write the code, and you can't lose sight of this. Commit to taking care of those people, and it will make it easier to take care of your business. Second, developing contingency plans to react to problems is a core component of any business, but it's especially important in supply chain. Lots of retailers were exposed through the pandemic by not having proper systems and plans. We learned this year that even though we think some things are far-fetched, they can happen to anyone. Plan for the worst and hope for the best. Third, balance the soft things with the hard things. Speed of service is important, especially in supply chain, but it's far from the only factor. Increasingly, customers want to feel a personal connection and be given a great experience, just as much as they want that good fast. And fourth, don't be resistant to change. This has been a common thread across our podcast. Change comes fast and hard. Don't fight it. Embrace it. 
the best companies are fluid, adaptable, and continue to transform along with their industries and customers. Thanks for listening to Transform It Forward, the podcast that gives you an inside look at some of the world's most effective transformation processes. If you like this episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Paul French, and I look forward to being with you next time.